This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I'm absolutely honoured to be joined from all the way over in America. This is Michael Yinger who is the CEO and co-founder of ResumeSiv and you're joining us today on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I couldn't be more thrilled. How are you today? I'm doing great, Leisha. appreciate it. It's a lovely spring day here. I hope it is for you as well. Well, it is. As we record this, we are in spring and it is sunny outside, although still a little bit fresh. By the time this show gets broadcast, I'm hoping it will be cracking flags, as we say in Lancashire. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. You've got a a wonderful, um, you know, we'll obviously make sure that all of your um, LinkedIn profile is on this episode so people can go and have a look at you and your uh, amazing provenance in the recruitment industry. So for those of you who are not yet familiar with your your business and what you actually do. Tell us about ResumeSiv. What, what exactly is it and what do you do? Sure. Uh, ResumeSiv is a company that's focused on recruiting tools primarily for the small to mid-sized businesses, the individual recruiters, the small recruiting firms, the small companies that are recruiting for themselves. We've just launched our first product about a month ago. It's called The Civ, and what it does is it allows the user to take their resumes put them in and rank order them, evaluate them um, quickly, much more quickly wow. than if they were doing it by hand. And so it's, wow. a, it's, it's a productivity play for the small firm, particularly to deal with the large number of candidates that they're certainly seeing right now in, in our current situation. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. And I presumably it's something that it doesn't matter where you're based in the world, you could use yep. it in any country. It's tech, yep. software, that's yep. Yeah, it's, uh, Yep, that's right. SAS-based, uh, easy to use. And uh, there's, of course, there's a free trial. We want you to, we want you to love it before you actually uh, make a commitment to it. It's, so it's, it's really easy to get to. Amazing. Well, obviously, like I said, we'll make sure that all the links are attached to this episode, whether people are watching or listening, so they can have a go with the free trial. That sounds good. Try before you buy. Yeah. We like that. But prior to that, prior exactly. to setting up this software, um, what exactly have you done in, in recruitment prior to that? Because I know you've held some really senior positions across the, gro- the globe. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll just work backwards. Uh, previously, I was at People Scout, which is a global co- company in the RPO and staffing space. Uh, I was head of uh, global sales, product management, implementation. Uh, prior to that, I was head of global delivery at Aon Hewitt. We had been acquired by People Scout, and so I went from Aon Hewitt to People Scout as part of an acquisition, which was kind of an interesting change. I'm sure uh, to move uh, move over and uh, uh, be part of a companies purely focused on recruitment process outsourcing. Prior to that, I spent almost, uh, a little over 10 years at Ronstadt SourceRite uh, um, in charge of implementation of technology. And uh, for a number of years, I was actually a consultant to Ronstadt SourceRite. I started out on a project and just one thing led to another. And then they made me the offer that <laughs> you can't refuse. Oh, oh good. Um, I, I, I was coming off several years of tech consulting prior to that. So a lot of my background is in the consulting sort of project area. And, and of course, RPO, for those who know, recruitment process outsourcing, you'll know it's very much like consulting. They're individual projects and clients are very focused. So I've had experience both in in delivery as well as in sales and uh, um, product. So it's pretty broad. And that was one of the reasons that ResumeSiv asked me to come in. They saw sort of the breadth of things that I had done. Um, I, I hadn't, the, the only thing that I hadn't actually done directly was finance. <laughs> and now I have finance and I have HR because I'm the recruiter for our company. So right. well, it's so a you, pretty exciting wearing experience. All the, wearing all the hats, Michael. Yeah, well, you have to. Yeah, you, you have to. You know, it's a small company. 
absolutely but it's good to have the perspective of it because what we're going to talk about today is yeah. we're going to talk about that c-suite traction and i think the fact that you've got such a unique sure. objective view of the whole recruitment market i think it's a fascinating standpoint to come from so you know in terms of the, the c-suite products i guess people that go and elevate themselves mm-hmm. to do executive search how do recruiters listening elevate themselves to make themselves appropriate i suppose to that c-suite let's i mean let's think about what if you've gone through it yourself as a candidate or as somebody that's hiring yep. in at c-suite level what do what do you think recruiters need to do to elevate themselves well it the, uh, the the first thing that comes to mind is that the nature of c-suite re- c-suite recruiting is different than a lot of other positions one you're dealing with um, a more perhaps significant position. There's more time that it's going to take to develop the candidate base and also understand the job. Perhaps you're dealing with a little bit of uh, more ego um, on the part of the people that you're dealing with. And so the, the first thing that might, comes to my mind is, is learning some patience. It's not going to go quickly. You can't force it. It's much more, and recruiting certainly is about a sale, you know, selling your company, selling your client or whatever the case may be, depending on where you are in the process. And the C-suite is, is certainly that, although at a, at a much more significant level. Um, the second thing is really understanding the stakes that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. The impact a C-suite hire can have on an organization, both positive and perhaps not, is, is fairly significant. And if you're not really engaged in, in the significance of that, you might not engage the client. If the client doesn't see that you understand what it is that this means to their business, aside from just the skills, but really just sort of the impact on their business, it's going to be difficult. So there's, so there's a patience, there's, there's, there's understanding the significance. And then I think that the other thing that, that is really going to distinguish is a knowledge of what it is that you're recruiting for. Okay. You know, a, a lot of the time, and I, I'm a firm uh, proponent of this, mo- a good recruiter can recruit just about anything. They, if they've learned a space, they can learn another space and they can move into it. Uh, in the C-suite, I would suggest you don't do that on the fly because you're not going to get the depth of knowledge. Who are the players? Mm-hmm. Who, are the, who are the competition? Where are you going to find the people that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. Now, some might say, well, you know, you also have to have contacts. You know, I, I wonder if that's really as true now as it was prior to the age of electronics, where you can create contract, contacts pretty quickly. Um, I've had a number of reach outs over my career that have been through LinkedIn. And it was a recruiter who, you know, may have had the title of, exec, of executive recruiter working within an organization. And the fact is that they, it was the nature of the way they introduced themselves to me and began the conversation um, you know, I, I think that, you know, just as sort of a, a, a slight bit of, of humor is it, they actually understood what it was I did and they weren't trying to get me to be a Java programmer. I still get those. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that, Michael. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think I mean, we'll definitely come back to that because I think I want to talk about sort of longevity and, and sort of yep. the gravitas element of, of what makes a good exec recruiter. But I think just to what, what you've said there, a lot of a large part of what you've said is actually sort of emotive it's having that emotion yeah. and that connection to understand Great. you know you've talked about the commercial impact you know these are board level people that are gonna you know create and generate and be part of you know a, 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 however whatever the figure is you know a huge impact on a business 
but actually it's it's that significance of you being emotionally intelligent enough to to sort of understand the drivers the behaviors because so much of what you said there you know recruitment is a process and i agree with you wholeheartedly if you can recruit an engineer you can recruit a lawyer you can recruit a doctor but your knowledge base of that market and what makes a good doctor lawyer engineer you can't blag you can't blag so i think i think it's it's a very important point that you make and so on behalf of all of those who have very good hairdressers, um, what would you say about the notion that to make a good C-suite recruiter, you have to be of a certain age, i.e., you know, the sort of grey hair brigade? You know, I have seen that I've seen the entire uh, gamut. Uh, I, I think that it somebody right out of school, there's there's a challenge um only in terms of sort of their personal maturity level, because maturity doesn't necessarily come with age. Some of us even at a different age are not very mature. I get that. I get accused of that all the time. Um, I think that it, it really is more how you present yourself and, and are you elevating your game to be in concert with the kind of people that you're going to be talking to. Mm-hmm. A young person can talk to a C-suite, and particularly if you think about in some of the industries that are growing so quickly, some of the, 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 the small to mid-sized businesses, the tech industries, the healthcare industries, you're looking at very young people who are running those companies as it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I, have, I have an ongoing conversation with a, a, another CEO who's 27, and I learn as much from him as, as I hope that he learns from me about how to be. And so I think the age is less of an issue than it used to be. It's really how you present yourself and, and how seriously you are taking the opportunity and, and the people that you're interacting with. I think that's such an important point. And I'm applauding you for bringing that up because, first of all, the mindset of somebody that thinks they can't learn from people who are less experienced than them is seriously a closed mindset. Um, yeah. I learn I learn more from my own daughters than I do from anybody that, you know, I, I just think you've got to embrace what somebody's knowledgeable in. It doesn't matter how old they are. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's about you should, ref, as a recruiter, regardless of whether you're doing C-suite or whether you're doing, you know, a blue collar desk, it doesn't matter. You should reflect the behaviors of the people that you're partnering because they want to feel that you feel what they feel and that you're an ambassador for their business and their brand so I think I think it's a really important point and I think there's been um I think I think COVID has changed a lot for people I think it's changed people's perceptions of you know how we hire for ourselves and how we then partner our, our clients and our businesses and I think this whole notion that you know you have to have a certain tenure in recruitment to become a, a C-suite um, partner I think is possibly a little bit old-fashioned now uh, and I'm not yeah. suggesting for one minute that, you know, everybody thinks they can just jump on it. I think you have to have the, the connections, um, but I don't think it should be prohibitive anymore. And, you know, historically, when I've partnered recruitment firms, there's been this, you know, we want somebody from a red brick university and, you know, we want somebody that's got 15 years experience. And you think, well, why? Yeah. Just because somebody's got 15 years experience doesn't mean they're good. There might be 15 years experience in a rubbish company. So I'm so pleased that you brought that up. That's really interesting. Now, so you're, I mean, you are, you know, an unbelievable leader and, you know, you've obviously come from a tech background yourself. So how do you think technology has transformed how people hire in at C-suite? Because like we've just talked about, a lot of it has been down to connections. So the old black book, as we used to say. So how does technology change that? How has it changed it? We interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. 
Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies. And we want to share this message with you. Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this program. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Well, it, it certainly has changed the accessibility of the people. Um, now, ironically, one of the, the first significant um, uh, opportunities I had in my career um, go, uh, goes back almost 25 years. And you say 25 years ago, technology, did they even have lights in those days? My kids say that to me all the Fax time. Fax machines. Fax uh, machines. Yeah, there was, a, there was a website that was dedicated to uh, MBA. It was called MBA Central. And that's how they found me. I had an MBA. They found me on this website. And so that was, you know, that was in 1998. And so, you know, this, this was a recruiter, you know, reaching out in that manner to find somebody um, in, in that way. And so I think that the technology has given us the ability to reach people that might not otherwise be accessible, uh, where the Rolodex and they're, you know, sort of dating ourselves. Uh, the Rolodex certainly was an important characteristic of the uh, successful executive recruiter. You know, I've, I've talked to other executives, including my chairman, who um, was, was sort of, you know, not bemoaning the fact, but he was talking about the, you know, a recruiter that he works a lot with. And he said, he keeps coming back to me because he just uses the same people over and over again, because those are the people that he's familiar with and he's comfortable with. And I think technology, A, gives you a reach that, they, that we didn't have in previous years in terms of, of finding people, and then it gives you the ability to connect with people in a way that you might otherwise be able to do. And then there are a lot of technology tools that are available now that allow you to assess the people that you might be interacting with 
And that's that's another you know sort of another way to, to sort of grow your candidate stable. It, it, even if you're not particularly filling for a job today, you can be engaging in conversation with these folks and as an investment say, well, look, you know my clients are are, are expecting to see these kinds of of assessments before they'll even talk to a candidate. How about we we put you through one of those and so that you're pre-vetted and we can move you along faster. There's that's an interesting kind of conversation to have with a candidate yeah. in terms of having them prepared. But I think. You know, it, I, I won't say technology has completely leveled the, the playing field because there, you know, there are firms, you know, you think of, of the corn fairies of the world where, you know, they've got a consulting arm and they've got executive recruiting, they've got RPO. And, and so they have a lot of points of contact into the C-suite. I think that in terms of finding the right candidates and then also making contacts with companies, technology really has, if not leveled the playing field, at least elevated the possibility for the new entrant or for the small company if you're already doing recruiting of, you know, even, even sort of uh, mid senior roles, finding a client who would be willing to take a chance on you to move into the executive uh, recruitment is a really good way to grow that business and move into that particular era. Of course it is. And, and, you know, for anybody, any business that's looking to scale, of course, if you, if you are hiring in at C-suite, you're cascading down to the middle and senior. That's how companies like Hodges have done it. You know, you've got Hodges Bernstein, you've got Hodges Select, you've got the Berwick partners. So I think there's, there's a number of different ways that you can do it. Who knows what the future will hold? Do you have a crystal ball, Michael? Do you know what's going to come in 2022 and beyond? You know, I, I, I read a lot, Alicia, I read a lot. And, and I, you know, I think that the two things come true. One is that nobody has a real crystal ball. Um, I, I learned this from, from a friend who does um, uh, data analytics. He said he, early on in the, in the pandemic, he had a, a client come to him and said, well, you know, tell me what, what my attrition is going to be. And, and he, he, he turned to the client and said, well, tell me what model I should use. You know, we don't know, right? Yeah, no. You know, I, I think that the, the one thing that, that it feels like it's going to be the case is that things have changed more fundamentally. I mean, we look back at, at 2008, where there was a lot of displacement and, and whatnot. But in, in retrospect, we, we started working our way out of that pretty quickly. And, and the changes that were made were not permanent. And then you go back, perhaps even to, to 2001, those changes were you know, put into place and over and done with, right? I think that we, we, we are seeing a real a, a significant shift in the mindset of people where, you know, I've seen stats that say as much as 50% of the workforce intend to move to another job once things start to open up and they will leave their job without having another job. Wow. And so, you know, I think, I think that the, 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 the workforce is changing and that's going to have an impact. And so, you know, so this ties into the work from home, how many people come back to the office, you know, certain countries, it's, it's going to be a, a different kind of issue. I, you know, um, how, you know, how traditional and how quickly are they going to get back into the tradition? How easy is, is the technology? We've been working with a tech company in India, for example, and it's been a real struggle because they've been working from home and we've had to have a lot of patience because sometimes yeah. working from home means somebody's, you know, working off a cell phone. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, there was, there's a large corporation that's headquartered not near from me. They had two huge office facilities. And as a result of the pandemic, one of them is shuttered and will and is, is for, for lease. The corp company is doing great. It's a grocery store. Wow. They're doing fabulous. They're making money hand over fist, but they don't need the office space anymore. All those people are now working from home. Yeah. It's, it has so I think that that's going to have an impact on us. 
Yeah, well, definitely. I, I totally agree. That, that, that just blows my mind, though. It really does. So as we uh, as we come to the end of our podcast, which I knew would be really high energy, and it's gone like an absolute flash. Yes, I did already. I told you it would, <laughs> didn't I? Um, what would your advice be to our, our listeners of predominantly aspiring leaders and existing recruitment leaders across the globe? So for those who are thinking of moving into that C-suite or bringing people into focus on that, what would your final words of wisdom be? It, if, if you're thinking of starting, the, starting it as a practice, do your research first, get people positioned so that you're not developing it on the fly. I, I, I think people will see through that and the results may not be satisfactory. And of course your results, particularly your first couple of gigs need to be pretty stellar because you want that social proof. You want that commentary that you can use for the next one. You want that referral. Um, that probably means that the, the first couple you're not going to make much money on. Be prepared for that. Have the patience to develop it because this is this is a very good market. There's there's a lot of turnover in this space. Surprising yep. you don't hear about it so much, no. um, but there's a lot of turnover in this space. And if you can get tied into it, um, it's a it can be a pretty uh, pretty lucrative channel to add to your practice. But it's, it's have some patience. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I, I echo what you said earlier on as well about the sort of patience element that if you're thinking of doing this, you're not going to make a fee in the first quarter. It's possibly going to be the first year. You know, this is a long term yeah. position. And what? just one final question, actually, because I get asked this an awful lot. Do you think that, let's say, you know, Joe Bloggs Limited is a, is a contingency recruitment company recruiting up to middle management, looking to open up an exec search, you know, doing the C-suite. Do I have a different brand or do we call it Joe Bloggs Executive Search? You know, uh, uh, my, it, this is an opinion, and I, you know, I know enough about marketing, to, mostly to scare marketers. Um, quite frankly, you know, I, I, I think that it's if you've got a strong brand, use your brand. Mm -hmm. If your brand is not that strong, then it, 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 it isn't going to matter that you've created a new one. I think in the long run, multiple brands inside a company get very confusing. Yeah, it is possible to, to brand the product. Okay. You could think of a different name for your executive search, something that is, you know, that is different, but is consistent with your brand. But, uh, you know, hey, I like that. Branding is a, yeah. Productization is actually something that we miss out on in recruitment because we don't, because we are a service-led business and we're a people-led business. But actually, yeah. I think what you've said that is so simple. And it, I get asked that question so often. Um, and I interestingly yeah. get candidates coming to me who work in firms where they feel that that's not been adapted properly that you know my business doesn't understand how how search works and so i think that that in itself you're selling a product rather than yeah no brilliant exactly I knew that right it, it is it's a product product pro, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in a product strategy that it's you know if you're if you're if you you know if you're one trick pony if you only know one if you only have one product where do you go with it you know how do you how do you evolve how do you bring in a different demographic it's it's a Productizing is, is a really good strategy uh, to reach new markets and to create new energy around what it is that you're doing as an organization. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, what a beautiful way to finish. And if, you know, anybody wants to learn more about your resume, Siv, I'm sure they'll be in touch and I'll get them to shout out about our podcast so that you know they've come from us. So from a rather cool but sunny Lancashire, thank you for joining us. You're in North Carolina, right? I'm in North Carolina. That's correct. Well, you are our first guest from North Carolina. So it's been an absolute joy as I knew it would be. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Thank you, Alicia. I appreciate the opportunity.